0: This is Leslie, and this is part two of episode eight. In case you missed it in the previous episode, we had a very long episode. It was about an hour long. And so we decided to break it up into two parts. And again, this is part two of that full episode. If you did not catch the first part of episode eight, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that first so that the rest of this episode makes perhaps a little bit more sense. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy part two of episode eight of the Taylors in Japan podcast. So that was basically, um, you know, our, our entry period here. And, you know, when I think about all that, when I think about what was the hardest thing? You know, the the hardest thing during that, because there were a lot of blessings, but there were some hardships. And I think for me, the hardest thing was the anxiety in coming. And I don't just mean the anxiety of like leaving America, although that was there, there was the anxiety of leaving the States and being away from family and friends and all of that again. But what I mean is, you know, during the pandemic, we didn't know what to expect. I mean, Pretty much from the day we got that test, we were like, am, are we going to test? Is anybody going to test positive? Because if anybody anybody tests positive, we can't go right now. We have to wait until this has run its course.
1: Do you know what? If that had happened, we wouldn't be here.
0: Almost because certainly. Because they
1: just closed the borders again.
0: Yes, as of Monday. So we're recording this on Sunday. What's today's date?
1: 27th.
0: 27th. So tomorrow, Monday, December 28th, they're shutting the borders again to all new entries from foreign nationals.
1: That's crazy.
0: Yeah. So we we really got in at the only time we could, but that's kind of my point. We didn't really know what to expect. Things can change at any moment as they are. And so, you know, getting those tests and then having to come. And when we landed, like we didn't know what to expect. What was it going to look like? We knew it was going to be different, but how different? How long was it going to take? I mean... We, we were prepared to be in the airport for three, four, five hours. I mean, that was a, a distinct possibility. So, you know, we didn't know what to expect there. How harsh were they going to be? You know, what what were they going to do when they looked at our paperwork from the states? Um, what happened if we tested, you know, again, just one person test positive there in the airport? Um you know, just everything. Like there were so many things that we didn't really know what to expect. And I think, I think just the anxiety of that, the unknowns, the, the lack of control, Um, you know, normally you just know what to expect. You know what you're going to do, you know what you're going to deal with and that's it. And so this time not knowing that I think was very difficult. Um, For me, at least that was, that was how I felt. Sarah, what do you think? What was to you the hardest part of the trip?
1: I don't usually have, I don't worry about stuff like this. I usually just take things as they come and I'm like, I don't know, it'll work itself out. So the worst part for me was at 1030 the night before we flew out when you woke me up to say they didn't fill out our paperwork correctly. (laughs) And I was like, what? Because it was just like, what do we do? Do we risk going, like flying all the way to Japan and them telling us we can't go in and putting us on a plane to come back. Like I seriously had no idea what to do because part of me was like, I don't know, maybe it is better to just get the test done again. Although I don't know where we're going to do that since we, this was the only place we could find who would do it. And we gave them all the information and they didn't do it right anyway. So that, that was the worst part of the trip for me. The rest of it.
0: And there was a lot of money invested in that, like we said. I mean, when you're looking at over $1,200, that's a lot of money to invest. Yeah. And things not to go exactly the way that you expect them to.
1: And not to know if the airline would allow you to change it just because the people messed up your paperwork. Like, they would let you change it if you tested positive for it. But anyway, so that was a terrible way to be woken up. Yeah. Um, The
0: night before you're leaving.
1: Oh, my goodness. Thankfully, I did get back to sleep. Like, it was okay. Um... I don't know. The rest of it has pretty much gone smoothly. Like the whole trip really, that was probably the best trip that we've had. Like you said, um, yeah, it really I, was. Yeah. I think part of that too, for me is that I didn't have a baby this time. This is the first time I've flown <laughs> without a baby. She so. could actually
0: watch some movies and, know. you know, enjoy some aspects of the flight.
1: I know I could eat my food without getting all sweaty, worrying about my baby crying while I'm got my tray <laughs> down and stuff um i don't know i had i ended up having social anxiety when we got here which was unexpected i guess like my friend eco was taking me somewhere i think back to our airbnb i don't remember what she had helped me do but she took me back there and i said something about just being nervous about being in japan and she was like oh what are you nervous about and i like burst into tears That's that's my natural state of being anyway, but then with jet lag on top of it and having just yeah. left the States, I was like, I'm just, I have social anxiety being back with people who I knew before, but I know that their lives have changed and our lives have changed.
0: Yeah, like they say, you can never go back, right? You, yeah. can, you can never return, really.
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's been good. We've had a lot of good Social experiences. Now, that's been limited. That's all relative because we're not really super social right now because of the pandemic. That's been a little weird too, just thinking about, I think that really came home in my mind. Like, how do you do mission work during a pandemic when you can't get together with people?
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, even I, I reached out to some other ministers recently and basically they declined to get together right now because of the pandemic, which I can understand. I mean, I'm not saying that to, to, you know, bust anybody's chops or anything. I just mean, you know, it, that does make it difficult when you're not really sure how people are going to feel. Um, you know, the Japanese tend to be very, um, risk averse anyway, as a general rule. And so, you know, in the States, I think there's, it depends on where you are. And obviously it varies from person to person, but my experience has been that there's a whole lot of you know, laissez-faire kind of mentality that's, it's horrible French, um, laissez-faire, I should. I, <laughs> laissez-faire.
1: Laissez-faire,
0: yeah. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not going to try to say it in an actual French accent. So uh, I feel like that'd be kind of, I don't know.
1: Pretentious. Yeah, pretentious,
0: right. <laughs> so anyway, but, you know, definitely there's been a hands-off approach and kind of just like, yeah, well, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be, you know, virus going to virus and that's life. And, and so, you know, coming from that, to a place where people are just like really kind of uptight in some ways. And, you know, it's funny because I say that, but on the other hand, there's a lot of things that that's not the case with. I mean, trains, there's still packed trains sometimes. And I still, you know, going through the grocery stores, there's a lot of people there all very close to each other. So.
1: <clears throat> Kids at the park without masks on. Planning. Yeah with jump ropes with each other and stuff yeah like that.
0: so i mean it's not like everybody's being super hardcore about it but at the same time there's a lot of people that are and i think you know coming back here i agree with sarah that's been that's been kind of a challenge
1: it's kind of hard too i was thinking about this the other day there's a lot of racism in japan and we 99 point Five percent of the time we don't experience any of that we have only positive experiences over here but they're they've put a lot of blame on foreigners for negative things that happen in Japan and especially with the coronavirus there's been a lot of finger pointing at foreigners and so that puts a lot of pressure on us just like make sure we don't get the coronavirus yeah. so that because we don't want to hurt the ministry we don't want people yeah. to look at us and be like wow those Americans don't care about our country or our society
0: they got here the first thing they did was get coronavirus right
1: so that's just something that's kind of on my mind that wouldn't normally be but yeah i mean you you do what you can um just to sometimes we have to make sacrifices i guess is what i'm saying you have to make sacrifices for the sake of the kingdom and You accept that when you decide to be a worker in the kingdom.
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think that's that's just one of the weird things, you know, again, about making that adjustment, because especially coming from the South, as we did, we came from the South where, again, there's been a lot more of a kind of just hands-off approach to things, generally speaking. And I think generally speaking in the South, more people who kind of don't want to do the mask thing and so on. To a place where um, everybody's wearing masks like constantly. I mean, like Sarah said, some of the kids aren't, but as, a, as far as adults go, most of the time, you know, anytime you're out in public, I see adults, they're wearing masks. Um, so there's that. And like for me, um, here at the Matsudo Church, they asked me to wear a mask even while I'm preaching. And that's been a different experience because in the States, uh, at our church in Florida, everybody wore a mask except for the people who were up front. Um, either, you know, preaching or song leading or praying and so on. And so if you were doing that, you didn't have to wear a mask. But the thing is, there we were, the person up front at, at at the podium is so far in front of people that it really isn't much of a risk. But here we're really closed in. And so I have to wear a mask and, you know, preaching for 30 minutes in a mask is a little bit of a different experience. So just things like that have definitely been, I don't know, an adjustment anyway, you know, um, and, like Sarah said, it's been hard to think, like, how do I minister? How do I move forward with plans and thoughts when you have a lot of people who really don't want to necessarily do some of the things that they would normally do? And how long is this going to be? Is this going to be for this whole next year? Um you know, how how long will this go on and so on and so forth? So some of those things have been a challenge.
1: we were really hoping that. Some of our friends would come to the first sermon that Leslie got to do when we were here and nobody did. No one other than the members at Matado came. Yeah. We had no visitors that day. Yeah. One of my friends messaged me later and said, I wanted to go, but I know there are old people at church. So I was worried. And so they didn't come. And like Leslie said, okay, how long is that going to go on? But you know, I've just been praying about it. God show us how ministry works in this yeah. kind of situation. Cause I know I was thinking about it. The kids are very interested in like North Korea or, um, the situation in China for Christians and things like that. And I'm like, you know, if they can do it, if the early Christians can spread Christianity in all the persecution that they're going through, we can do it through a pandemic. I don't know what that looks like. And I'm praying that God will show us what that looks like, but I know that we can do it. And that's interesting just yeah. to see, Okay, God, what is this going to look like?
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because obviously there's lots of people in the world currently at this moment who are going through way harder stuff than we are. We know some missionaries who just went back to um, their country that they're working in and they had to actually like wander through the mountains. I mean, literally they had to go on a hike through mountains to go to the place that they're going.
1: I think it was like a three-day hike and like 13,000 feet. That they had to go over with with their their kids, kids. yes,
0: that are like the same age as our kids, plus a baby. Yeah, plus a baby. So, I mean, when you think about them doing that, I mean, it's kind of hard for me to be like, "Oh, yeah, look how tough you know things are here." In comparison, it's so hard
1: to to uh, preach through a mask. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I know exactly, exactly. It's really not that big of a deal, and and so that's good. But it still presents challenges in terms of how we do ministry and how we can be fruitful. So I think that's been one of the challenges since we came back, is trying to figure out how are we going to be fruitful in the middle of all of this? And we've got some ideas. We've got some things that we're thinking about. Um, but ultimately, you know, it relies on God. God's, um, as, as Jesus says, uh, we can't bear fruit without him. You know, we can't do anything without him. And so we need him to make us fruitful. So that's our prayer.
1: Today in your sermon, I loved what you said. Our church is small, but our God is big. I liked that. I hope that's what you said. That's yes, what I yeah. heard anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: just that's what I was saying. Yeah, that, that part. Yeah. Um, you know, because I do think here it's easy to kind of look at it and just be like, oh, we're so small. How can we do anything? But see, that was one of the interesting things. That was actually what my sermon was about today, it was about being fruitful. And the day that we got here, the day I should say that we arrived at, uh, at Matsudo, when we actually came to the Matsudo Church building, as I said before, on, on the fence in front of the building, there is a grapevine. And normally that that vine produces grapes kind of towards the end of summer, or maybe, well, not really fall, but maybe at the very beginning of fall, perhaps somewhere in that time frame. And so we got here on the last day of November. It was quite chilly. And when we arrived, there were actually four grapes on one of the branches of that vine just one only one branch had any grapes but it had four grapes one of them was shriveled up a little bit but the other three looked good i didn't try any of them but i took pictures of them in fact i wrote about it on our blog so if you go to our website tailorsinjapan.com you can read uh, some of my thoughts about that but i noticed that and it just kind of it seemed to me like it was sort of an encouragement from god to remember the words of jesus there in john 15 about being fruitful because again, it's easy to look at Matsudo and not just for us, but for the members of the Matsudo church to look at the Matsudo church and think, man, we're so small. We have so few people. We don't really have a lot of resources. Our church building is old, you know, especially in the middle of this pandemic. How, how do we survive this? And so to me, when I saw that fruit out there, it was kind of a representation of Matsudo. Like, yes, there may not be a whole lot of fruit. Yes, maybe there's not a whole lot of people here. Maybe there's even some fruit that needs to be gotten rid of, right? Maybe there's some bad fruit that needs to be taken care of. But there is fruit. And Jesus' promise in John 15 is that the Father, who is the one who takes care of the vine and the one who takes care of of the branches and all of that, if he sees that there's fruit, he's going to trim it, he's going to prune it, And he's going to do that so that there will be more fruit because his desire is for us to be as fruitful as possible. And so my lesson today, I tried to encourage them to think along those lines to remember that God is the vine dresser, that Jesus is the vine and we are just branches and our goal is to produce fruit for the glory of God. So even if we're small It doesn't matter because the power to produce fruit is not ours it's not about the size of the branch it's about the power of the vine and the wisdom of the vine dresser and so jesus is the one who provides everything that we need and the vine dresser our father is the one who's going to take care and make sure that that we are pruned appropriately so that we can produce more fruit and so all we have to do is to be connected to the vine and the natural result will be to produce fruit So that's been kind of on our minds here, I think, since we got here and something we're trying to focus on. Because again, as you think about this next year ahead, it's easy to just be like, well, how are we going to move forward? Like, what's this going to look like? Because yeah, there's a new year coming, but we're still in the middle of a pandemic. We've still got all this stuff going on. People who, you know, don't necessarily want to come to worship right now. And we've got friends who maybe won't show up. Or people who may not want to come to our house or don't want us to come into theirs. How do you, you know, help people be discipled in that environment? How do you help uh, reach out and evangelize people in that environment? And so, you know, our our prayer is that we'll find opportunities in this, and so that God will provide those opportunities. That He'll provide ways for us as the the mission missionaries. But also for the church as a whole to be able to serve the community, to serve those around them and, uh, you know, create the opportunities so that even if it's not right now, perhaps later on people will remember that and and come back. But ultimately, of course, it all relies on God. So, um,
1: I feel like that brings us full circle back to Boston and the turbulence where we are like, we don't know what's going to happen. Everything looks doom and gloom and Armageddon right now. But we are holding God's hand, and he's pulling us through this and leading us through this, and he's going to show us how to bear fruit.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, and and so I, I do believe, I mean, Jesus makes us a promise there. He makes a promise that, you know, if if you'll be connected to him, that you will be fruitful. And if you're not connected to him, then you won't be. And so um, our goal is just to, as much as depends on us, to remain connected to the vine, which is Jesus, to abide in his word and have him abiding in us and uh, be praying for that fruit. And that's what I encourage the church to think about today is to be praying to God for fruitfulness, because Jesus promises us there in the context of producing fruit, that if we need something, if there's something that we need that relates to us producing fruit, if we pray to Jesus, he's going to provide so that we have what we need to be productive because that's what he wants. He wants us to be productive because A, that's what we're here for. We're, we're branches. We're intended to be fruitful, but also, as Jesus says there in John 15, because it brings glory to the Father. And that's what Jesus was always seeking was glory to the Father And that's what he wants us to be seeking too. And so if we're seeking that and we need something to be fruitful so that we can bring glory to God, he's going to give us what we need. So I was encouraging the church to do that. And that's our prayer too as we move into this next year. And so, you know, I think even though there um, is maybe some, I don't know if I should say anxiety, but certainly some, I don't know, apprehension or concern over what this next year is going to look like. At the same time, I feel some optimism because I really believe that God wants us to be here right now. And if he wants us here, it's for a reason. He brought us here at this time for a purpose, and that's to be fruitful. And so I believe he's going to make us fruitful in some way. I don't know what all that's going to look like. It's going to take time for that to take shape in our eyes, but God knows what it looks like. And so we're trusting in him. And so I feel, you know, optimistic, even if perhaps a little bit apprehensive. So I don't know. I don't know how Sarah feels, but at least that's kind of, you know, my feeling.
1: I don't know that I could define a feeling. To me, I very much feel like I am observing. Like, not that I'm so much a spectator, but, oh, it's like that... The uh, story that Corey Ten Boom tells about her dad giving her the ticket right before they get on the train. He gives her the ticket when she needs it. He doesn't give it to her beforehand. And so I feel very much like that. Like, I don't know what the next steps are. I don't even know what the next step is. So I'm watching and waiting and very open to what is the next step, God? Yeah. What are you going to put in front of us next? And. Just being ready for whatever that is. I mean, as much as you can be when you don't know what the step is, but constantly looking for where God's leading and what he wants us to do. And so, I mean, yeah, I guess optimistic is a good word to use. I don't know what I'm optimistic about specifically, but I have hope. And I think, I mean, that's how we should always be. We're Christians. We should always have hope. Um, so that's how I feel, I guess.
0: Yeah. And that's, I think that's a good way of saying it about the optimism. It's not that I'm optimistic, like, oh, some specific plan is going to go well because I don't have a specific plan necessarily. Like I have my plan for my sermons, my theme for the year. We're going to be focusing on the gospel. We're going to be focusing on what the gospel is. At least that's how we're going to start off the year is talking about the gospel because we want the church. We I, I think it's very important that the church is centered around the gospel because that's, that's everything for us is the gospel. And that's what our message is, is the gospel. And so we want to be centered around the gospel. So I know that's my theme. I know that's my focus. I know we have some other things that we want to be doing. We want to be helping some of the members grow and mature spiritually um, together with us. Um, you know, we want to be reaching out to people who aren't Christians, obviously we want to be evangelizing, but I don't have some grandiose plan that I'm like, I'm optimistic this plan is going to go well. Rather, I'm optimistic that God is doing things that he sent us here for a purpose and that he's going to use us this year in some way to glorify him. And so I can be optimistic about that even while not having a clear picture, a clear vision necessarily of what this new year looks like. So again, I have some ideas. Um, Sarah and I have talked about some things and I have some ideas about what to do, but how those things actually shape out is really outside of my, my pay grade. You know, I really don't know how it's going to, to look like in reality.
1: I feel like this is such a great thing though, about being connected to the vine because they're I think in the past, we would have been like, that's terrifying not to have a plan. And sometimes it is, even still. But at the same time, to be able to be at the point where we are like, we don't have a clue what the future holds, but we know that we're going to do work, whatever that looks like. It's like, that's a really great place to be. It it just is what I said. We're so hope-filled, I think, to know we're doing work. And what more is there other than to do kingdom work? Like, it's awesome to be just, that's our, that's our plan. Our plan is kingdom work. And I know, I don't know, sometimes I don't express things well, and I probably just sound like a ditzy person being like, oh, it's kingdom work and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't mean that we're not thinking about it, that we don't search for these things. Um, We're not just floating along, but... Still, I think it's a great thing to know that is our overall mission purpose.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. So uh, anyway, that is basically an overview. I I know that's a lot. We've covered a whole lot here, Um, but a lot has happened over the last month. This last month has been kind of crazy, to be honest. It's been just a crazy month, not a bad month necessarily, but definitely a crazy month. So, um, you know, we look forward to being able to share more in the new year. Um, we look forward to uh, sharing with you these experiences as we experience them. And uh, as always, we thank you guys for joining us in this. Um, so, uh, we'll see how things go. I don't know, you know, what everything's going to look like here in the new year, but we're excited about it. And uh, we ask for your prayers as we move into the new year. Um, And of course, obviously, we all need these prayers this new year. I think a lot of us are ready to move into the new year, but we're not really sure what's going to look like. So uh, I know we're not the only ones who need those prayers, but we would appreciate your prayers um, for us and for this work and for the Matsudo Church as we uh, strive to be fruitful for the Lord here in Japan. So uh, thank you guys again for joining us for this uh, episode and I hope you have enjoyed it. Please remember that you can always uh, join us in our newsletter as well. I mentioned before, but if you go to tailorsinjapancom forward slash newsletter, you can sign up for our newsletter and get that there. And then uh, you'll get some of the information and actually like pictures and other things that we can't share here uh, right to your inbox. So I hope you'll sign up for that. And uh, hope you'll be also looking forward to the next episode of the Tailors in Japan podcast. Until then, thank you guys for listening. This has been Leslie and Sarah, and we will see you next time. Until then, stay faithful and be busy doing the Lord's work. Bye-bye.